Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow Fight Analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivid section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush, here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, because who needs to put on a, fa- a, fight, a fight card in front of fans when you can put one da- put one on inside of a hangar, an abandoned building. <laughs> the abandoned bean factory. At least, like... You know, like they should at least street fighter it up. If you're gonna do an abandoned building, but like doing a steel mill. Oh, absolutely. You know. Well, I mean, you remember how excited everyone was naively for Fight Island. Mm-hmm. It's always just a UFC card. Yeah. It would be so cool to have like a a, imagine, a themed uh, arena or something for. Imagine for these if, you if you could even picture it if they had done. Fight Island and actually had the fights on the beach. Yeah. They should have been like outside or yeah. And, and on the beach and it would have been a completely different atmosphere. No, it's just a UFC event. <laughs> it just yeah. looks exactly the same as all the others. Yeah. It should be like an abandoned factory. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, it's just a place with no crowd that looks like, like every other UFC show. Otherwise. Yeah. We're talking about this fight, this, this fight night card, which it's fine. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's not something that's going to get anybody excited. Um, Hasn't gotten me excited. But it, we've talked about some of the fights that we've enjoyed, that we're interested in, looking forward to. It, it's dotted with quality. It's just... The UFC just doesn't... Clearly just doesn't seem to care about this stuff, so it's tough to get, you know, mm-hmm. get our own mustard up for it. Mm-hmm. Get your mustard up, Connor. Um... Is that even an expression? I usually you drop like surprising old man expressions to me. I think you made that one up. Let me see. <laughs> I just I gotta call you out for that one. Wooden nickel, okay. Smoke show, fine. Keep your mustard up. I mean, vinegar is in mustard, and that's the thing. I you know what? I'm not finding anything on it. <laughs> so I'm going to instead of taking your snide <laughs> pecking naysaying uh-huh ugliness i am going to claim it as an invention i'm going to trademark it you're coining get your mustard up yeah it appears yeah. to be something a combination there's some expression with vinegar yeah yeah and then there's you know getting somebody's ire up yeah yeah, uh, we're we're getting our mustard up, folks. That should yep. become the new slogan of the show. That's right. It's the we're all out of toner of uh, <laughs> the section. It, it, a mystery science theater joke for the five mystery science theater crossover fans here. Yeah. No, there's probably a few. I, I don't know. Anybody anyway. likes mystery science theater? I, who doesn't like mystery? I, I'm just you know, that is that is my audience at, at heart is the people who like mystery science theater and also MMA. 
Yeah. So I'm always surprised you don't watch the uh, red letter media stuff, which yeah, is just I, mystery science theater. I, you know what? I was just, I was just happy with the thing that I liked. That's that is, that is an old man thing to say. <laughs> all right. We're getting our mustard up folks. We're here on the yeah. prelims. All right. All right. All right. Eliza Zaleski, Abu Bakar. I'm trying not to say Abu Bakar because I is know it's not right. Not, I think it's Abu Bakar. Oh, I've been saying Abu Bakar. Yeah. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Did someone um, get mad at you for that or what? Somebody always gets mad at me for something. The world exists for somebody to be mad at me. I long ago just accepted your mispronunciations. You're old. Yeah. That's what true. you do. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is this is a this is a cool fight, kinda. Yeah. yeah, I mean, these are two dudes that I would I had expected much more out of, and they have not failed, but they have not achieved anything either. You know, that's kind of where it is, which I is kind of more of a more and more a theme of the growing UFC roster. Mm. where they're just packing in all these people all the time, is that there are just a bunch of cool fighters who sit on the shelf for like a year and a half. While That's true. Fight. Yeah, I mean... And these two both have had long stretches of... Regular long stretches of inactivity. Zaleski seemed to lose something even, I think, before these stretches of inactivity started to appear. Mm-hmm. I kind of get the sense the dude doesn't love fighting that much anymore. Yeah. Um, but... You know, like, you go back to the, the Zaleski back when he was still Zaleski Dos Santos. I think he's just Zaleski now. Oh, no, actually, last UFC fight, they still listed him as Dos Santos. It's topology that has just made him Zaleski. Yeah. Um, but you know, you go back to his early career, like this man was all chaos. He was, uh, uh, he was like, this would be the second comparison I made on this episode. If you include the main card, um, like early days, Charles Jordan. Mm-hmm. Or like, I would also say like Douglas De Silva kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But there was, but, but like Charles Jordan, like there were little yeah. elements of like good kickboxing that would mm-hmm. sort of shine out as the fights wore on. And it all came from just this relentless chaos. And insane power. Like, the dude is uh, yes. just a crazy powerhouse. Yeah. And um, that's been, I mean, it's harder to say completely gone, but it's uh, been a lot more inconsistent. Yeah, I think he's one of those fighters who went through some capital T technical uh, transformations over the years. That might be part of it, yeah. That have just like taken the coolness out of his fight. Uh, you know, he he's had some, he's had a couple losses, but not even really. Just like you're really just talking one TKO to Li Jingliang, mm-hmm. and Zaleski could otherwise claim to have not lost since losing to uh, Guillermo uh, Bomba. Who was this? Was his name play, nickname Playboy? God, I can't remember. I do not remember this fighter. But uh, he was in the UFC forever, briefly forever ago. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like you go, you have to go back to 2013, other than one loss to Li Jingliang, to find the last time that yeah. 
Elizu Valeski clearly lost a fight. Yeah. You know? Um, but, you know, like, I can't say it's completely gone because, like, the, certainly that fight with Benoit Saint-Denis yeah. was absolute chaos. Um, that was forced chaos by Saint-Denis, though. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think somebody dragged it out of him and, like, it was either get KO'd like the leech did or go absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. And what was a a surprisingly technical style that needed like the fertile soil of chaos is now a disappointingly technical style <laughs> that might occasionally sprout some chaos. Um, I just he just has gotten a lot more like timid is what yeah. it feels like. Um, and I, I, don't I know. think it's a lot more of like an attempt to be commanding. Yeah, maybe you that's know. it. If so, that is extra disappointing that this is like him fighting smart because uh, literally if it got, it's what got him KO'd by the leech. Yeah. Is that he was just like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It comes across like that more than it does. Yeah. Uh, I'm being, um, I'm controlling the fight. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the the other thing to point, about, point out about Zaleski is that uh, all these fights, good and bad, have been against a variety of strikers. Mm-hmm. And when he fought Nicholas Dalby back in his UFC debut, he got taken down six times. Yeah. Not a ton of control, but that's Nicholas Dalby as well as Zaleski. Um, there were a lot of clean and easy takedowns for Nicholas Dalby, and people really since just haven't tried many on uh, Zaleski. So I see no reason not to just assume that Abu Bakar is going to get him down. And if that happens with any consistency... Um, that's bad for Elizio. Um, Abu Bakar is, I, 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 it's actually hard for me to say like, what is his best takedown necessarily, but he is certainly a strong positional grappler. Um, and I just don't see, I think Zaleski from what I can recall, again, we don't see it very often has a, what feels like a kind of outdated guard-oriented grappling game. Yeah. So I am going to take Nurmagomedov with I, win I will by say, grappling. Uh, Benoit St. Denis did try 14 takedowns. They were terrible. They were terrible. they were terrible. They were terrible. And, yeah, he... I think you know, many of those were while he was being killed in the second round. Yeah, and Vendramini tried five and didn't get any. Yeah. But Vendermini, once again, not a great wrestler. These are not actual wrestlers. Yeah. Lyman Good had one, one, went one for one. And Benoit St. Denis did actually still get two. So. Yeah. And Li Jing Liang took him down two out of three times. Did yeah. He took him down? That seemed so quick. Yeah. I thought he just, in my memory, he just came out and knocked him flat. Yeah, they had a three-round fight. It, it was actually nine seconds left in the fight when Li Jingliang knocked him out. Wow. Uh, but it was a pretty bad performance from Zaleski. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I think in my head I constantly conflate the um, leech wins over Zaleski and Ponzinibbio. Mm, yeah. Ponzinibbio's uh, one where he just came out and killed him instantly. The problem for, with here, with Abu, Abu Bakar... And that gives me pause because I agree there's a very good chance that he just comes out here and out wrestles him. Is that when Abu Bakar has to be physical, 
the fact that he's really not a very good athlete yeah. comes into major play. And he gets very tired. Even, like that fight he had against Gadji, Omar Gadjiev, mm-hmm. is uh, the real honest narrative of that was that Omar Gadjiev is also not a great athlete and went in there and scrambled constantly with a better grappler and better athlete, and they both got really tired. And Abu Bakar was able to win out that fight. Um, otherwise, he beat Jer- Jared Gooden, who is one of yeah. the stiffest, most upright fighters we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Got insta-tapped by David Zavada and had a draw with Bojan Velishkovic. Mm-hmm. And that takes you all the way back to 2018 in the career of Abu Bakar. And, you know, you can say what you will about Zaleski, but he's not a fighter that tends to fall apart easily. It's why he doesn't lose. Sure. Like, he is a physical freak, but he's also, and he can kind of drift out of a fight and not be nearly as assertive as he should be. But he doesn't just tend to fall to pieces and go away. Yeah. Which, That's true. Could mean that, you know, he gets taken down and worked over for a round by Abu Bakar and Abu Bakar gets really tired and just gets slept by something wild. Or starts getting beat up. And that makes this a hard fight to predict. Yeah, that's that's all true. Um... I came into this ready to pick Zaleski. I am feeling more cautious about that than I was when I came in with that read. Yeah, his wrestling is just not very good. But I really think that Abu Bakar's own wrestling and grappling game leads to his own gas tank issues. Yeah. And he didn't even get to lean on it that much against Jared Gooden or Jared Gordon rather. Oh, no, Jared Gooden, not Gooden. Gooden, Yeah. Yeah. Jared Gooden. He, uh, he got one takedown in that fight on five attempts. Yeah. And spent the rest of the fight out kickboxing Gooden and his jab was good enough to do that. But Gooden is like, you know, he's not Zaleski. He's not that dynamic. He's no, not that I, I definitely get the, the vibe from Abu Bakar that um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that his like top game is the best thing he does. Yeah. He doesn't seem always that aware of that. Yeah. Which is why it's difficult for me to say like, oh, he, he hits this takedown. He has this beautiful takedown. Oftentimes sort of just bad distance management leads to the fighters coming together. And yeah. then he win and scrambles. Um, but, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to pick Zaleski. I think Abu Bakar will fade and Zaleski will rally. But it will start out as a pretty good fight for Abu Bakar. And if he just wins it, then I can't be shocked by that. Yeah. 
No, you you've almost swayed me, but I'm I'm committed. I'm I'm sticking with my pick. We got you, you almost swayed me too. So yeah, well, Zaleski opened at minus one forty two. Is currently at minus one oh three. Abu Bakar opened at plus one twenty eight. He's currently down at minus one oh seven. So the they the odds here have shifted from a slight favorite for Zaleski to dead even. And I want to just shout out fightodds.io in a completely unpaid sponsorship. They do not sponsor us in any way, but I switched over here to reading their odds. They still don't do a general uh, median chart for their odds, which I wish they would, but they have started labeling all the points on their line uh, and their opening point and closing point on the line. So it's much easier to read their charts now than it was a week or two ago. So. Finally, a win for the gambling uh, sector. That's right. In, in this country. <laughs> it's really struggling these last few years. All right, all right, all right. Let's bump over to a Bantamweight fight. John Castaneda, Muin Gafarov. And uh, a last note, our last minute late notice fight, putting Gafarov in here was supposed to be Castaneda versus Mendonca, but uh, Mendonca was had to drop out of the fight just a couple days ago. I don't even think the wiki has updated yet. If I if I refresh, have they? No. It says what happened to Mendoza. It just says withdrew on topology. Yeah. So Muin Gafarov now replacing him. And uh, I wish I knew how ready he was for this fight. Mm-hmm. Because I think the basic structure of this fight probably favors him. Uh, Castaneda is very much a I will let you step to me and I will answer you in combination when you do so kind mm-hmm. of fighter. I will, I will meet your pace and try to outwork you with it is really the kind of fights that John Castaneda has. Mm-hmm. And he's a fun, busy fighter in that way. He's creative. You know, he could uncork some great, he had kicks against Daniel Santos, really was able to shake him up and surprise him on the counter when Santos was out there relentlessly pressuring him. Yeah. He was literally trying too hard to destroy Santos, and but still, still a shock he didn't manage it, to be honest. Yeah, but the problem also was that like, he let Santos set, set the tempo. Yeah. You know, he let Santos's pressure and like wild walk you down with all the volume, all the time style set the tempo of the fight that he wanted to have. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Cause yeah, I, I just, I just saw that as him being over eager uh, and going too hard for a finish, not measuring himself, but it was because Santos made him fight at that pace is an interesting way to think about it. And was, I mean, I think that's the same problem he had with Nathaniel Wood. It's also the reason that he just crushed Eddie Wineland. Yeah. It's because Eddie Wineland comes up and comes and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to step in with my chin up and my hands down and I'm going to throw punches in the pocket and I'm going to see what you do with that. What And like John Castaneda is like, okay, here's three punches for every two you throw. Mm-hmm. And, but if Nathaniel Woods, like here's five punches for every three you throw, then, you know, uh, he, he spent the entire fight. Castaneda spent the entire fight being behind. Mm-hmm. 
And with Santos, it's like, okay, well, I'll throw three, you throw three, and we'll see who gasses first. And you're going to let me lead that pace. And it's just, it's it's trouble for Castaneda. It, it is a trouble that I think is going to keep him from consistently beating good opponents. Is that he can he can let himself be worked into a pace that he himself can't keep, yeah, or be outpaced by somebody if he tries to hold back and tries not to let that happen. He he doesn't really set the tempo of his fights, yeah. And for Gafarov, Gafarov isn't some sort of like great high paced striker. But if he gets to lead, he is a very strong positional wrestler and grappler. Mm-hmm. So if he can go out there and he can just get uh, Castaneda down and start, you know, working him over and get to good control positions, he could take him out of this fight. If he's not ready to do that, and if he starts to get tired, and if he starts to slow down, though, then Castaneda is, you know, he he can he can work, he, he can meet Gafarov at a slower pace all the time and outwork him. Yeah. And I don't really know what's going to come up out of this. Like my gut read would be that Gafarov getting to be first with his wrestling game is going to win, but. I don't know. Do I do I trust Gafarov to be the, a great first round fighter to take a, a short notice fight away from Castaneda? I uh, th- I think I should just pick Castaneda for the short notice. Yeah, I hate X Factor picks. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I just like thinking of the dynamics and dynamically I, I agree like, uh, and even without the relentless pace, I mean, Gafarov does tend to get most of it, most of his work done off of a kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. It's pretty measured, but, uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, no. Yeah. He still usually dictates and like puts his opponent, uh, puts the, uh, onus on his opponent to, like take a swing at him so he can he can close in or backs them all the way to the fence and then punches his way into a clinch or a shot. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that I think will work really well against Castaneda, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But um do I trust it to win on very short notice? And that's what I don't know. Has Gafarov himself ever shown any tendency to gas i mean he yeah he 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 had a pretty bad performance on the ultimate on the contender series against chad chad and helliger oh right yeah i mean maybe it is important for him to be well prepared and in shape and that makes that a question yeah I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pick Castaneda. Like I said, just yeah. part of it. I don't like it, but the more I think about it, that aspect of it, I think will let Castaneda take this fight. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I mean that sounds reasonable. I mean, Castaneda, given a um, a low output, it's not like he's allergic to pressure. Yeah, I, I do think that generally the uh, the output is an important part of that. Like Dan- Daniel Santos spent a lot of that first round pressure in Castaneda. Yeah, he spent a lot of that time running into nasty shots. Yeah. Castaneda, he 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 meets the challenge absolutely. Well, it's just he doesn't. He's not asserting the fight. So if you keep bringing it to him, he's always going to be meeting you on your terms. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that's what I find that, that inside interesting because it's like Santos was walking into a fight where he was like 65% chance he was going to get knocked out in each exchange over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. By some magic, did not get knocked out in any of those. And it was because he was making all of those horribly suicidal exchanges happen that Castaneda collapsed completely. Yeah. Um, and it, it, but it wasn't just about dictating. It was about like demanding action from Castaneda. That's what gassed him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just like lumbering forward, I mean, Miles John kind of John's kind of did that. Yeah, and like I say, so did uh, Eddie Wineland. You right. know, if, if you're just kind of going out and being like, "Oh yeah, no, I'll step into the pocket with you, and we'll we'll mix it up a little, and I'll try to measure myself and figure this out." Castaneda is a really tough fighter to handle. Yeah, because he he has he's a busy counter combination striker. It's just yeah, without the assertiveness it's going to be tough to play that game at a high level in the UFC. Yeah. I'll take Castaneda as well, but it is, it is kind of an X factor pick. Yes. I I think with enough reads and how to, how to, how to pressure Castaneda, how to get in on clean takedown entries um, would make all the difference necessary for me to pick Gafferov here. Yeah. Let me see if I go back to the stats here for Castaneda. His takedown defense is not stupendous. Yeah, I was just thinking like eh, Nathaniel would only hit only hit one takedown, but Santos hit two, and so did his contender series. Uh, but it's just you know like the the other part of that was like you know with a slightly as we say sort of like get your reads be a little more measured approach from Nathaniel Wood like Nathaniel Wood just stripped the paint off him. Yeah. You know, just absolutely blasted him. It's just like, okay, I can set a tempo here, and I, I, I know that you will always have the exchange on my terms, so I will just create terrible terms for you every time. Yeah. Some of this is probably the opponents, but despite the fact that Castaneda does get taken down, he he tends to be very good at scrambling his way free. Yeah. Again, capable of meeting most of the challenges he's presented with. Yeah. Just a question of how many challenges can he overcome in, in a short space of time? Reminds me a lot of uh, how I think of like MMA masters fighters, where it's just this idea of like mm. per- fighters who are really per- well prepared with answers, but aren't necessarily asking a lot of questions. Like, yeah. like uh, Rafael. Uh, uh, what was his name? Who beat uh, or who? Damn it. I, I don't know this one. I don't know, Zane. Uh, oh, damn. Now I'm like... Rafael. I mean, there, could, there can't be... Uh, there's only only a few of those in the UFC, right? 
This should be easy to figure out. Let's just start naming the lightweights. He fought the uh, is it Kazakh guy? Silva? Was it Rafael Silva? I don't know. This is just like the two most common Brazilian. No, names. damn it. <laughs> uh, who's the fighter with the eye tick from Kazakhstan? Oh, uh, really uh, Damir Ismagulov. Damir Ismagulov. Yeah. Who's the guy who gave him hell? Rafael Ismagulov. Hell, is it Silva? <laughs> Okay, it is Rafael Alves. There Alves, damn it. Yeah, like, Rafael Alves is an MMA Masters guy. Yeah. And it's that sort of, like, man, you can answer a lot of questions people ask you, but you don't ask a lot of your own questions, you know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody brings you a takedown, you can bounce up out of it. Or somebody comes at you with a one-two, you can counter with something huge or something like that. But it's not, the game isn't structured to then demand things of your opponent on their on your terms. Yeah, absolutely. So, sort of true of uh, it wasn't wasn't Ricardo Lamas uh, uh, Ricardo. Yeah. Look at me, Ricardo too many Brazilian Lamas. names guessed at there. Yep. Wasn't Ricardo Lamas an MMA Masters guy yep. too? Yep, Ricardo yeah. Lamas and he had a uh, bit of that too. The great opportunist. Yep. And uh, oh, who's who's the guy who fought Justin Gagey back in? Uh, WSOF. Oh, yeah. Um, something with a P, right? We're just going down our little memory hole here. But uh, <laughs> Luis Palomino. Yeah. Palomino. I knew it was a P. Yeah. Palomino and uh, Lamas are like the MMA Masters OGs. Yeah. All right. Castaneda is the very slight favorite here. Opened at minus 127, currently minus 123. Gafarov opened at plus 115, currently at plus 111. Those lines really just opened, so yeah, I expect them to stay close or shift in all kinds of ways, honestly. I expect everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. Uh, Speaking of nothing... Yeah, speaking of nothing, let's get to a fight between Andre Arlovsky and Dante Mays. Everything and nothing, in fact. They weigh everything. Yeah. They mean nothing. Now, we uh, talked a little bit on opening the uh, pre uh, the main card, Vivi, about like actually growing a soft spot for Dante Mays over yeah. time. Yeah, there's a soft spot on my brain. The doctor says <laughs> I should be very concerned about it. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, like it's not- nothing to do with his fighting at this point. It's just sort of this innate sort of creature fascination of like, what the hell is he going to try to do this next time? Because I, I think Dante Mays is one of these fighters that I'm, I'm interested in because he frustrate frustrates the shit out of me. Yes, like yeah. Don, I, I every time, including his last one, every time I watch, especially his last one, in fact. I watch a Dante Mays fight. I think this guy should be really good. Mm-hmm. He should be a he's really powerful. good. He's yeah. fast. He's, he's super. He's like, he's got Cyril gone agility for his size. Yeah. He's six, six. And he, he's clearly a great athlete. Like he just bounces around. Yeah. He's really quick and like dexterous. Got mm-hmm. great balance. And his game makes no sense at all. Yeah, he is completely dysfunctional as a fighter. Yeah, I mean, um, it really does seem just like nobody has ever taught him to fight. Yeah, he's got like um, 
a very different style, but like it's like Ovin St. Prue. Like, man, mm. if this guy had gotten a good coach, some good training partners, and wasn't just I assume he's a big fish in a small pond. I hope so. Bronx Hill MMA. Yeah. Anyone else of note come from there? Nope. No. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he so clearly should be a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this gym absolutely lucked out getting him and they've shit the bed. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They're not as good as John Kavanaugh. Yeah, no. I mean, not, that, not exactly that he's a Conor McGregor, but he is clearly a talent. And this is a, this is a uh, Johnny Walker SBG kind of situation where it's like, right. oh, wait, no, actually, they did add low kicks to his game. So that is more than nothing. Wow. Good on you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he is just, he is just let down by like the structure of his game. Maybe it's something mental with him as well. I don't know, but he is such a grab bag fighter. Mm-hmm. He loves to spin. He hates putting combinations together, perhaps because uh, sort of like Cyril gone, his in the individual strikes he throws are often quite good, mm-hmm. uh, in that they are timed. Well, they, they are accurate. They're fast. Again, athleticism covers for yep. a lot of flaws. Um, but there's nothing like no understanding of positioning or balance in this game that lets him uh, uh, connect these things. Yeah, once he throws one strike, if he tries to throw it with another one, he is going to he's nearly tipping over. Yeah, he's already he's completely compromised himself reaching for this one uh, really pretty strike. Yeah. Um, and then his wrestling is bad. Yeah, it's just bad. I mean, that's heavyweight for you, but and the grappling game is non-existent because it's also heavyweight. Yeah. Hey, um, I, you know what? Actually, speaking of Cyril, God, he get on top of people. Sure, he he shows some positional awareness, but that is about the end of it. Sure. Also, it's heavyweight, so yeah, it's a lot easier to be on top of people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Cyril, God, he got heel hooked by Cyril, God, didn't he? Yeah. He did. So yeah, like Dante Mays is just uh he is just a huge ball of wasted potential that nonetheless has captivated us by occasionally doing something very interesting and impressive basically well, it's every so fight. Weird to watch a fighter like that. Like yeah, he, yeah. Just a giant athletic blank slate. Yeah. Where he's it's like Cyril like, gone with Alex Caceres' brain. <laughs> very strange. It's very much a Frankenstein situation. They built all they got all of the like the, the superhuman parts and then just, you know, the, normal brain. Exactly. <laughs> the Abby normal brain. Abby normal. <laughs> yeah. That's my Gene Wilder. I'll be, I'll be here next week. Uh, yeah. So like he, like he could beat Andre Arlovsky, but he's not, yeah. I don't think he's going to. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what beats Arlovsky and it's not, he, I mean, he's forty-four. At point, some point, time has to. Yes, but so far, what beats Andre Arlovsky is not just being there. Yeah, it is being like actually incredibly dangerous, like Marcos Rogerio de Lima is for a minute or for a couple of minutes in every fight. Yeah, or it is having actual striking technique actual striking an actual striking game not just technique but an actual striking yeah. game where you can be busy and you can hang with Arlovsky and you can outwork him yeah like Sakai did like Abdurahimov did 
like Tuivasa did. You can be presented with the possibility of a counter right hand and have one idea <laughs> yeah. how, how to throw anyway and not just get hit by it. But uh, we have seen, you know, just guys who are not that athletic or who are not that capable of being busy. Felipe Linz, Tanner Bozer, Chase Sherman, Carlos Felipe, Jared Vondera, Jake Collier. They have all gone in there with Arlovsky and they just can't outwork him. Yep. It's not even like he fights at a high pace. He just no. sucks the fight. He just sucks the air out of the cage. And he will fight. It's not a high pace, but he will fight at a pace for every minute of yeah, yeah. of the fight. Like he yeah. will just he'll keep a jab on you. He'll throw a couple hooks at you. Yeah. And you have to answer with something. If you're not, he will just be there and be busy. Yeah. Busy and, enough. Yeah, and he will drain the life out of you with clinches as well. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to take old man Arlovsky once again. Yeah. I just don't. I, Dante Mays is full of potential and talent, but as yet, none of it has been close to realized. Yeah. So, I mean, he almost accidentally won that fight with Hamdi Abdelwahab. Yeah, yeah, he should have. He should have won it. Probably. If he had just been able to stay away from him and throw a couple more one-twos. He, the, two, the two straight punches, he actually put one after the other in the fight. I think it was a one-two, just wrecked up the wall. Yeah, and I don't think he tried it again. No, for the rest of the fight, it was a, just he a shot. random. I have a random crazy idea. What about a one-two? He shot on Hamdi Abdelwahab. <laughs> yeah, the Olympian wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Arlovsky is the underdog here. Uh, although it's de- pretty close, he's a, he's actually at favorite odds, or at least at uh, minus odds on some books. Opened at minus one thirty seven, is currently at plus one oh seven. Mays opened at plus one thirty four, is currently at minus one twenty. I just assume this is all betters looking for value and just being like, eh, Arlovsky's forty four. I'm not gonna, I'm I'm gonna bet on anybody who faces him. You know. Uh, well, you know what? Not a wise way to bet. Got to be honest. First yeah. of all, don't bet on heavyweight. Second of all, don't bet on heavyweight against Andre Arlovsky. The guy is shockingly winning even t- to this day. Yeah, he fought three times last year and won two of them. Yeah. So, if you're going to bet against him, it better be an actually good fighter. Yeah, that tends to be what it is. I mean, <laughs> you look at who's beaten Arlovsky lately, and like I say, I mean... I, you know, I wouldn't call Marcos Rogerio de Lima an actually good fighter, but for one round, he is a killer. Yeah. And he killed Arlovsky in one round. Yeah. Otherwise, you got Tom Aspinall, Jerezino Rosenstreak, uh, Augusto Sakai by split, but Abdurakhimov, Tuivasa. These are all people that have stuck around and found a lot of success in the UFC yeah. at one point or another. Yeah. These are guys with, you know, they, they actually had a, yeah, at least moderate level of success at, at, at like the top 10 heavyweight area. Yeah. And, uh, Mays is not one of those people. No. All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout, Elise Reed, Jin Ufray. And, um, oh wait, am I... Am I in the wrong place? I think you skipped over the Daniel Santos. I, I, I looked at the wiki again. I keep getting caught up looking at that. I, I'll you should just not that. use the wiki, but I know. I, I just I just closed it. Okay. That brings <laughs> us to Daniel Santos, Johnny Munoz Jr., in a fight we've already actually broken down before. Um, oh, yeah. 
this got canceled and rescheduled. And you, do you remember what you picked or should I? No, refresh me. Okay. You picked Johnny Munoz Jr. because you liked his jab so much. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had that really great jab, entirely jab-based performance. Yeah. And I picked Daniel Santos because I did not like the fact that the only thing that Johnny Munoz Jr. has seemed to (laughs) figure into his MMA game lately is his jab. Yeah, that's all he's got. So I am going to stick with that and pick Daniel Santos to be uh, relentless enough and pressuring enough and violent enough to get Munoz off of his jab by breaking his footwork, pushing him backwards. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'm still going to pick uh, Munoz because I did it already. Consistency, consistency. Yep. Um, but uh, certainly, uh, yeah, running into absolutely every shot that Castaneda threw uh, his way was enough to make me think, eh, this dude's going to get jabbed an awful lot. Oh, yeah. So it it probably isn't enough to win. Like, yeah, I don't think Munoz is a very creative fighter, obviously, but uh, he is going to land a lot of jabs. It'll be like uh, Shabazian uh, Hernandez uh, for the first three minutes, which is a fight I also picked correctly on that basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Santos opened at minus 200, currently minus 189. Munoz opened at plus 177, currently down at plus 156. Shouldn't be wide, really. Santos is a wild man to a fault. Absolutely. He is that win over Castaneda is as near a Hail Mary as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, almost got knocked out like three times in the first round. Yeah. And Munoz is like he's put the right fundamentals down. He's just, you know. It's a one fundamental. <laughs> yeah, fundamental. He's, He's put, put the, the right, right fundamental, fundamental down. All right. That, That's what you do when you build a house, right? You sort of sink one post into the ground. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> build the whole thing on top of that. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a teepee with like one center. That's right. Hey, center pole. Very sensible uh, uh, design for a dwelling, I got to yeah. say. And it's a hurricane coming his way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, fine. All right. That that brings us to a women's strawweight bout. Jin Frey, Elise Reed. Uh, and, not picking Jin Frey ever again. Yeah, I mean, she's, she just, she's done. She just doesn't once once again one of those fighters who just does not seem like they like what no. they do she 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 had very little to offer to before she's always i've compared her countless times to tyron woodley mm-hmm. she clearly was carrying a certain anxiety about fighting which made her very reticent in her performances very reluctant to put out volume or get into too many engagements of any kind she's always been super low output like post prime tyron woodley that has her 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 um, anxiety, her neurosis has overcome her at this point. I think. Yeah, she seems to hate it, and that has turned her into a fighter who literally does nothing for very long stretches. Yeah, she just she got out wrestled by Vanessa Demopoulos. Yeah, and this is a fighter who her corner her her camp and her corner people claim that Ginny Frey is the best wrestler in women's MMA. 
well, hey, she was a pretty solid wrestler before. Yeah. She just she, she has all she's has at different times had all of the technical and physical tools to be a very high level fighter. Yeah, she just can't seem to pull the trigger on anything. Yeah. Anything. That's um, not at least Reed's problem. No, not absolutely not. Uh, and I like what I've seen too with Reed becoming a busier boxer. Mm-hmm. She's always had a, been a power kicker who can lunge in and lean on one big strike at a time. Uh, you know, really shows off her her taekwondo base a lot. Mm-hmm. But lately, like in that fight with Luke uh, Loma Lukbunmi, and like that fight with Melissa Martinez as well. Uh, she is countering in combination and flurrying in combination a lot and making sure that if she gets the range to exchange with somebody that she's doing more than just landing one shot. Yeah. She doesn't she's... still doesn't have a, a grappling game or wrestling game to go with all of this and, you know, ends up in that sort of Angela Hill spot where to make her offense happen, she kind of has to plant her feet in front of somebody and, Put her, open herself up to get taken down. Yeah. But it's not just banking on one kill shot at a time the way it was so much. Earlier. Not so much. I mean, that is still there. I, I will point there. out that, like, the, the fight losing takedown uh, in the comeback from Loma Lookman Me was her trying, like, a Gunnar Nelson style right hand. Yeah, yeah. She it is still like it's, really far away and tried to fly across space and just right into the clinch. Look, I, me, look with me on her back instantly. That kind of thing. I, I I also think though that part of what happened there too was look with me got so embarrassed by the first round <laughs> of that fight getting out grappled by Elise Reed. That Luke Bunmi has spent a lot of time trying to become a good grappler and wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's put a lot of work into it. And I think she dra- I think she dragged Elise Reed on top of her in round 1 of that. Yeah, Elise Reed never got a takedown. Yeah. But spent uh, 2 minutes in top control in the first round. Cuz Luke Bunmi screwed up a takedown. And I think Luke Boonmi got so embarrassed by that that the moment she got an opportunity in round two, she was just like, I need to make you pay for this. That was she so stupid. Definitely came out with the intensity of someone who felt like they needed to do something in round two. Yeah. Like, I just put my coaching staff to shame with yeah. that first round. I need to correct this in a hurry. Hey, credit credit to a fighter who gets that feeling and is capable of just doing something about it. Yeah, right. Just finished her instantly in round two. Yeah. So, but anyway, for all of her flaws, at least Reed likes to fight, and yep. uh, that should be enough. Yeah. Frey does not seem to like to fight, and at least Reed lands really hard when she does Absolutely. connect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is not a oh I like to fight and I'm a busy scrapper. It's like wow, you hit that person really hard. Yeah. With that body kick or that that straight right hand, like she can sit down on some stuff. Yeah, if there's any veneer of confidence Fry comes into this fight with, it's probably going to get knocked off the first time she gets absolutely smacked in the mouth. Yep. Fry opened with a mi- at minus 142, is currently at plus 115. Reed opened at plus 128 and is currently minus 127. I think that makes sense. All right, uh, that brings us to a bantam, another bantamweight bout 
Luan Lacerda, Damon Blackshear. And uh, where are we here? It's you. Okay. I feel bad for Damon Blackshear. That's that's really it here. Because he's a D&D character transported to the Earth universe? That is part of it. Although he really takes away... He really undercuts that sense by having his nickname be Da Monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a good nickname. I mean, it is. It is. His name's Damon. Yeah. Be, just happy, and like it shouldn't even be. They should never even say Damon. That should always just be Da Monster. Black. It, like his nickname should be Stir. S T E R. Yeah. This is also I would point out a guy who doesn't need a nickname. Damon Blackshear. Yeah. No Damon nickname Blackshear required. Is just an awesome name. <laughs> it's a badass fantasy character name. Yep. Um. Beyond that, beyond his need to find a portal to get back to his realm. <laughs> right. <laughs> to get back to the land of Trevalia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Beyond that, he is a... This is, I guess this would be a good John Castaneda comparison. He's not nearly... He's not so much a counter-combination striker uh, as Castaneda. But Blackshear is a great scrambler and athletic puncher who tends to let his opponent always have the first move. Mm. When Blackshear can get in on his own takedowns, he is a solid takedown artist with a good wrestling game. But, like, Fareed Basharat beat him because he was able to get the first takedown a lot. And because he was able to land the first strike a lot. Yeah. That was a very back and forth competitive fight where neither man really took over. But Blackshear was always second. Yeah. And against Yusuf Zalal, like, it, you know, I, I, was it, did Blackshear start that part about hot? He came in, that was a short notice fight, I believe, for Blackshear. Let me see. And against Yusuf Zalal, he, yeah, he started that bout doing all right. And then Zalal, and then Zalal rallied late, but it was short notice. And it wasn't like a highly, it wasn't a high output thing for Blackshear. He just, you know, he was able to prove his value in his scrambling mm-hmm. early and catch Zalal off guard with his scrambling. And those are two, like, you know, that was a good showing against Yusuf Zalal. It was a pretty decent showing against Fareed Basharat. I think Blackshear's a decent fighter who has a lot of good skills. And I expect him to have a decent showing against Luan Lacerda, but I also think he's just going to lose again. Because Luan Lacerda is not a fighter you want to let be first. Yeah. He had a bad, he had a tough debut against Cody Stamen, but we talked about it. We're like, it was a good showing. I mean, it didn't look bad. He just looked bad. We were just like, man, Luan Lacerda looks really, really solid. And it's just too bad he's got to walk in against Cody Stamen because that's a a huge ask for your debut. A very tough uh, debut matchup. And. He's not, um, at least he doesn't start the fight as like the most high output. Um, but it's, it's a solid, world. consistent 
very <sighs> steady and all of it predicated on like inching forward yeah and commanding the fight yes very on the front foot, very commanding, a solid classic Nova Unao Muay Thai style. Yep. Very practiced, very hard power in everything he lands. And then a really good wrestler. That's Nova Unao for you. Like one person got a takedown between Cody Stamen and Luan Lacerda. Mm-hmm. And you know who it was? It it wasn't Cody Stamen. Not the American wrestler. Yeah. It was Luan Lacerda. And Blackshear, like I say, he's he's a good wrestler and scrambler, but he is happy. He will start from losing positions all the time. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's something he can do against Lacerda and get a win. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I don't even have a lot to add. I just I really like the look of Lacerda. I think he's a naturally very assertive fighter and super well-rounded as all yeah i mean that, that the assertiveness is really like are you going to be a good novunial fighter yeah. or not uh i think somebody maybe even you compared him to hakran diaz before mm-hmm. that was me but you definitely said something like he's a good hakran diaz yeah, 2.0 hakran diaz with exactly. like a better striking game and with yeah. a more because diaz is, diaz is a super solid fighter yeah very difficult. Exactly. But didn't lead. Yeah. Didn't didn't know how to how to how to uh, hold on to the initiative of, of a fight. Did not know how to methodically like break an opponent down. It, he was like a kind of fighter where like he'd beat you if you made some error. Mm-hmm. And I think Lacerda is a much more, as I said, assertive fighter than that. Uh, yeah. If you do nothing, if you like, let him take the lead, he will march you down. He will kick and punch every single target available to him and will probably out-wrestle you too, given yep. the chance. So I do not think he's the kind of fighter you want to just cede the uh, initiative to. Yeah. Like I said, it's, I feel bad for Blackshear because I think that the the skills and the athleticism are there, but the the tactical awareness is not. Yeah. And I think part a big part of it too is probably just that the comfort in striking isn't there for Blackshear at all. So he really feels like, you know, he's trying to wing a couple of big shots at you and wait for his opportunity. But in waiting for his opportunity, he gives up the initiative and can be taken off of his game, can be taken down when he's on the back foot. And when he is not striking, he's feeding pressure. So he's more likely to end up on his back foot. So... Uh, Lacerda is the favorite. He opened at plus 104. It's currently down at minus 141. Blackshear opened at minus 115. It's currently up at plus 127. And that takes us to our final fight of the card. Maxim Grishin against Felipe Linz. And uh, Felipe Thins. Felipe Thins, that's right. And I am glad that you get to lead this one because I honestly do not really know who's going to win it. I don't really know what what to make of Felipe Linz. Yeah, right? I mean he's a he's always been a brawler, and he, and he has a good one-two. And now down at light heavyweight, he seems like he can keep his output up a little better. Mm-hmm. 
And but it also just looks like a more capable bullying brawler. Yeah. I mean, he just clearly there's like a better physical uh, uh, physical dynamic between him and his opponents. It makes he has seemed a lot more uh, difficult to deal with. Yeah. But it is also just sort of like a wild structureless swarming. Yes. There's not like a. He can throw a one, two, but if he's going to do any more than that or try to like make anything more happen it just everything opens up his defense goes his arms fly out and he just tries to put it on you and get you out out of there because the thrill of you know it's like the thrill of the brawl is the only thing carrying forward the tact yeah. there's no the tactical awareness ends the moment that he feels like he needs to do something more than just try to fence you yeah um, and then meanwhile, Maxim Grishin is sort of another fighter who feels like he should be a little better than he is. <laughs> um, Maxim Grishin, big for a light heavyweight. Yeah, real big. Uh, big and agile, uh, despite the size. And um, another very, very solid fighter. Like, Difficult to crush Maxim Grishin, which does seem instantly like sort of a bad sign for Linz. Yeah. Then, then again, who does Maxim Grishin dominate ever? He is, he is the light heavyweight slash heavyweight spitting image of uh, the Green. What was his name? His first name? Maurice Green? No. Uh, the was lightweight fighter uh who fought uh oh, oh um i Josh know exactly Emmett. yeah i know exactly who you're talking about desmond green desmond green he is the spitting light heavyweight in image yes of des green he is a neutralizer to the core he is trying yes. to subtract your game from the fight that is always maxim grishin yeah and so on the one hand it's like He's he's very measured. He's difficult to overwhelm. What is Linz going to do to continue surprising him? On the other hand, um, Christian is a guy who, yeah, will like set himself up for failure, at least in terms of being outworked. Yeah. By uh, appearing to have like tons of physical advantages and just not really leveraging them. He's too low output. He will uh he like really really banks on his ability to take somebody down but despite that he's not like a fantastic control grappler um i think just because like i don't know it's like i, I think in his mind he's like tallying off points or something mm -hmm. he's like okay gotta win we're gonna reset and he just mentally resets and it's like he just uh, I'm not sure can entirely keep track of a whole fight in his head. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, the other thing is that th there are an awful lot of Maxim Grishin fights to look at. As far as recent opposition, not exactly a lot of great parallels for like a reckless brawler like Felipe Linz. Yeah, no, you really have to... I mean, there's... Godzima Adanti Gulov is a meltdown fighter who will yeah. rush after you and try to out-wrestle you, and if he can't, just sort of fall to pieces. Yeah, we'll start crying, and then sort of um, the fight ends. 
but otherwise, yeah, you're really going back to like Rakeem Cleveland or Smilino Rama. Okay, like, yeah, that's all right. Or Jason Butcher, like you you have to go back to his PFL run and even then I'm not sure that you would call any of those people actual brawlers. Most yeah. people Jordan Johnson is like, you know, very much put himself in like a boxer wrestler, try to be a try to be a slick boxer kind of thing. Most of the most of the fighters he's faced in the past few years have been happy to meet him in a very slow-paced fight where his subtractive style really becomes a problem for them. Yeah. Marcin Tybura just leaned on him. Yeah. And then, you know, the Dustin Jacoby fight was... Jacoby could just outwork him. Jacoby's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems very likely to me that Linz is going to, like, possibly hurt Grishin early. Mm-hmm. Just run at him and just start swinging. It seems every bit is likely that that is going to result in him getting tied up in the first minute. And that a fighter at least a lot more invested in winning a fight like that than somebody like, say, Marcin Procneo mm-hmm. will probably be able to suck a lot of time uh, off the clock. <sighs> but I just, I, Grishin is just so chronically unimpressive. He really like it, it. It is an impressive level of neutralizing. He really he neutralizes even our interest <laughs> and himself. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, um, I, I I really don't know. I, I will um I will take. I'll I'll take Grecian, I guess, because I'm a boring guy. I'll take the boring <laughs> fighter, and like the the principled part of my head says that like being a complete mess shouldn't work. Like, yeah, you beat Marcin yeah. Procneo. I'm proud of the guy, but he's still not that good. What? Yeah, and you beat OSP, who is, like, at this point, just going to go away to anyone. Yeah. So, gonna... so so, you have exorcism powers. How useful is that against Maxim Grishin, yeah. who is, you, you know... You lost against Andre Arlovsky, who is himself a neutralizer. Yeah. At this point in his career. Yeah, bigger one. But, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point, too. I just don't think there's any structure at all to uh, Linz's game. And certainly at light heavyweight, it looks like he feels more confident, that it has a greater effect when he tries to just barnstorm people. But uh, I will also note that of all those names you listed, like none of those are losses on Grishin's record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take Grishin, I guess. I'm going to pick Linz. I'm glad I got I'm glad you picked Grishin. But uh I just think it's heavy. It's light heavyweight, so I'm just always going to pick the like weird Crazy power freak. horse who, yeah, the 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 dynamic freak who's more likely to end things in a second. And that's that's Lins. But Grecian, I mean, one of the things that has kept Grecian so winning for so long is that he is actually he is a much slicker, much harder striker than he seems like he should be because he's so low output and so uh, subtractive that you're just like, you have these fights where it's just like, uh, he's doing nothing, practically nothing, kind of getting outworked. And then there'll just be like one right cross and in like 
two minutes into round three and the opponent's out. And you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess that's a win for you. Um, didn't really seem that dynamic or impressive, but you did it, and he can do that. But I'm still going to take the wins. I'm, I'm going to take the the swarming wild man here to just... Christian's 39. Light heavyweight is not an old man's division. I'll pick him to... Well, actually, it kind of is, but I'll pick Grecian. I'll, I'll, I'll pick Leans nonetheless. This fight is just, it's just, it just sucks. It sucks to break down because, <laughs> yeah, it really is just like, Grecian is impressive. He's impressively no fun. Yes, he really is. Like, that's, he, he almost never gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. He is, Technically capable everywhere, and he just fights the slowest, safest, imaginable fight. All right, odds on the bout. Linz is the underdog here, opened at plus 152, currently not plus 116. Grecian, the favorite, opened at minus 171, opened up, up now, minus 128, should just be dead even. I like that those odds are getting closer at the very least. If you are a Substack subscriber, you can find both of us right back here in just a moment with a little bit of bonus content. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, The 6th Round Retro, The Show Money Podcast, The MMA Depressed Us, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, and The Return of the MMA Bunker.